Yeah, I think I think for us it's a matter of uh, I, I hate to use this phrase, but do to have people to do life with. And I know we talk about that a lot here, but that's really what the group members that we've met have become. So we've we've built lifelong friendships just on a, on a social level. Uh, but more importantly, we've built spiritual relationships. Our small group for us has been a very tight-knit group of people. And I wouldn't even call it a, a family necessarily because it's a different relationship. But it is a it is one that, that we can absolutely count on each other. We we know each other well. We trust each other. There's a, a level of transparency, a level of honesty, and a level of trust with that group that is uh, unlike anything I've, I've been a part of. I don't know about you, but I would look at my life and say that there are a number of times that I have hills and valleys. I'm sure you can identify with that. Uh, sometimes those hills, though, are not too bad. They're just, they're just nice hills. They're, they're grasslands. They're plateaus. They're meadows where, yeah, you might be having to climb a little bit, but it's really not that treacherous. You can just kind of roll with it. You can kind of keep going. You can kind of keep moving. In fact, we have a slide that kind of shows you one of those scenes, uh, just kind of a meadow, just a kind of a gradual walk, and you can walk along and you can make it no problem. Uh, ups and downs come with life. You can do that alone. No problem. However, then you reach a mountain, a mountain that has valleys, very few, and it's an incline that you can barely handle. It takes skill. It takes preparation. It takes physical preparedness. It takes mental preparedness. It takes spiritual preparedness. In fact, you probably don't need to go that mountain alone. You need help on that mountain. You need technique on that mountain. You need resources on that mountain. You need a climbing buddy. You don't need to climb that mountain alone. And I don't know where you're at. Some of y'all are on the mountain and some of y'all are in the, on, the, on the nice uh, grassy plateaus in the meadows of life. And you're okay for a while again, but you're going to hit a mountain. And unless you have done well while you're on the plateau or in the meadows to invest, to build relationships, then whenever you're dropped down or the mountain drops down in front of you, whether that is a change in your life or a change in a relationship or a change in health or whatever it may be that slaps you square on in the face, that in, in the soul of who you are, and then how are you going to make it to the top of that? How are you going to make it over that? How are you going to make it through that situation? And that's where it gets really dicey. And if you haven't taken time to build and pour in and to network and have those kind of relationships, you'll find yourself climbing alone. And alone is dangerous. We're challenging in this new, in this, uh, in this uh, new year, uh, and we're here just now wrapping up uh, first month of it. We're talking about rhythms. And I want to talk about a rhythm today that you probably wouldn't have put on your rhythm checklist. But this is a checklist I want you to put. This is a rhythm I want you to check out and see where you're at. Are you a person who walks alone? Are you a person who has relationships? Are you connected or are you alone, isolated? And that's something that you need to wrestle with along the way. Because here's what you need to see. And again, let's kind of take it out of nature and let's take it to the business world. 
Okay, there's this little graph that, that, that's out there and you see it in, in books. It's the sigmoid curve, okay? It's this curve that's just out there and it makes sense. I mean, I, I don't even have, some of y'all with MBAs could stand on the stage and wax eloquently for an hour or just on this. But I've seen it enough and I've read about it enough that I think it's well beyond business that it applies to my life. It applies to my spiritual life. It applies to my marriage. It applies to me in so many ways that sometimes what happens, let's talk, let's use, uh, let's lay over this, the metaphor of a relationship. So you start a relationship off and in its inception, it is full of energy, excitement, love, uh, compassion and compassion. You've got all of that rolled up in there and it grows and it grows and then it matures. And then all of a sudden you think, I want to spend the rest of my life with this other person. And then you get married and it's a beautiful thing and for a while and then all of a sudden again, how long this happens and there's not a a magic number to this, but all of a sudden things get kind of okay. You kind of enter into a plateau and from a plateau you kind of enter into a decline and pretty soon the person that you were once compassionate and passionate about, you're just now tolerating. You enter into a job. You take a job or you start a business and it, it climbs, it climbs. You're, you're scratching an itch that nobody else is scratching. And then all of a sudden you find yourself at some point looking at your profit and, and loss sheets and you're going, what happened? I'm barely making ends meet here. Again, what had happened is you climbed, you climbed, and then all of a sudden there wasn't proper adjustments at the right time. And then you begin to sink down on the other side. The same happens in your spiritual life. I love getting around new believers. Getting around a new believer who's hot-hearted for God, just experienced God for the first time in their life, and they start praying, they get so energized when God answers the smallest prayers. It energizes my prayer life, and I'm an old fogey Christian, okay? And so I get energized being around new believers, and they teach me, and they grow me, and they mature me, because what happens in my spiritual life, I grow, I begin to plateau, and I start to decline. If we're not careful in every area of our life, we can find ourselves here. Where are you here? You have to almost pick a category. Where are you at personally? Let's just start there. Now, not only uh, that, 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 that thought has been developed even further, Andrew Grove, former CEO of Intel Corporation, he wanted to call this strategic inflection points. That there's a time on this sig, uh, uh, sigmoid curve that you can actually identify, or maybe you should identify that, hey, if you can make adjustments now, your company won't begin to sink. You won't plateau. If you make hard decisions now, you can do well. And now you may dip down a little bit. You're going to reorg. You're going to go to the top. The same it is in your, in, in your marriage. Okay, you know what? We need a refresher. We need to, to kind of recharge some things. We need to realign our wills. We're kind of getting off course here. You recognize recognize it early on, you can arrest it, you can change it, you can get back on track. What I want to say is that is a picture of our life. Could be a picture of your life if you notice and note strategic inflection opportunities. And at the new year, 2017, we make New Year's resolutions. I want to say to you that this is a strategic inflection point for you. You may be going through a crisis. It could be a strategic inflection point where you start looking at your life and say, okay, I didn't ask for this. I've been dealt this. What am I going to do with it? And God, how are you going to grow me? How are you going to develop me? Now, what a lot of people do, and this is what we're going to talk against, what a lot of people do when they start hitting that mountain is they start pulling away. 
disconnecting. They start running away. They go inside themselves. They isolate themselves. We can't do that. When you're climbing mountains, you don't climb mountains alone. When you're scaling summits, you don't do that alone. This is what one person said. He said, the reason mountain climbers are tied together is to keep the same one from going home. With a mountain of mercy behind us and a mountain of mission ahead of us. I need you, my sister, my brother. I need you tied to me. We need each other to keep from bolting and fleeing and returning to the sanity of unbelief. We need each other. And if you're that person who's right now saying, I don't need anybody. I'm a self-made person. I can do this on my own. Well, you're probably living on a plateau. You're probably living in a meadow. But there will be a day that a mountain will come at you at crashing breakneck speed. And you will have burned bridges in relationships. And you will have not invested in relationships. And you will find yourself isolated, alone, and on an island. And when that dark day comes, you may or may not remember this message, but I pray you will not, you'll make adjustments today so that you won't have to say, I told you so. That you will look back and you will say, okay, I am going to make changes now. This is a strategic inflection point in my life that I am not going to try to go it alone. Now, just a little sidebar. I grew up in the 80s where it was parachute pants and uh, big hair and loud music. Y'all remember those days? Some of y'all were not even born then. All right. Here's a picture of White Snake. It's a group that was pretty popular back then. They had it all. The big hair, parachute pants. And uh, now probably a lot of y'all don't even know any of the songs that White Snake uh, uh, sang. Okay. Uh, but I want to give you just a sampling, just the chorus of one of their songs, all right? So get ready to tap your foot. Go ahead, roll it back there. How many of y'all know that song? How many of y'all like that song? It's on your playlist. It's on mine. I love it whenever it's in a workout. All right? It's a great song, right? Did you hear the words of that song? You get so caught up in the rhythm and you get so caught up in the beat that you actually don't hear the message in that song. Listen to the words that we just heard. Here I go again on my own. Now, what if they sing it like that? Going down the only road I've ever known. Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Man, to me, that sounds desperate. That sounds lonely. And I tell you what, I, I, I have to push back on that poetry to say that we were born to walk alone. When I look at a perfect God in a perfect world creating mankind and all of its perfection, you don't even see God working alone. You see God living and working in community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit created mankind, created the earth. And whenever he created it all, he looked at it all. He said, it is good until he created Adam. He says, it is not good. Why? Because it was not good for Adam to walk alone. God doesn't want us to walk alone. 
So he created community. He created us for community. We are built for community. So I want to take us from the white snake poetry, and I want to take us to the Solomon poetry. Open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 18. I want to look at a man who wrote 3,000 Proverbs. He's credited for writing 3,000 Proverbs and an incredible depth of knowledge in a single almost sometimes sentence content. It is dense in its content. It is dense in, its, um, in, its, in, its, in the breadth and the depth of its meaning and, and truth. You can't walk away from a proverb empty and dry. You walk away thinking, how can I, how can I just concentrate on one of those proverbs? In fact, I'll challenge people all the time. If you're not reading the scriptures, you've got to be Number one. Number two, you don't know where to start. Start in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is an incredible collection of thoughts. Singular at times where it's just one verse, one thought, and it moves on to another thought. Almost almost as if they're not connected one to the other. And that's what makes studying Proverbs a challenge, or especially teaching from Proverbs. You almost have to look at it as a whole and then bring it together and say, what are the themes that are, that are coming out in this? And that's kind of the, the approach that I want to take in, in this message today. This is what uh, Hazel Bullock said, Old Testament professor from Wheaton, regarding the book of Proverbs or, or, or the Proverbs. He says, in a few uh, piquate, which I had to look that word up, colorful, lively phrases, the Proverbs capitalize a practical idea or truth in such a way so to lift the commonplace commonplace to a new level of mental consciousness. I know a lot of words there. Basically taking thoughts that are out there, but bringing them together and lifting them up to a higher sense of consciousness. It reweaves the threadbare idea and shows the ordinary to be quite extraordinary. You want to boil a lot of thought and philosophy and rhetoric out there down to really truth that you can stake your life on and build your life on, read through the Proverbs. It'll take you 31 days if you read a chapter a day. You can literally read a proverb a day, every day, every every day this month, every day next month, every day, and continue to read it through every month and, and never get all of the truths of the Proverbs because, again, they're so dense. Now, here's a challenge. When you look at the book of Proverbs, I'm giving you a lot of little background as we before we dive into this. When you look at Proverbs, it's really dealing more, first of all, with a vertical, excuse me, with a horizontal relationships with one another. And then it goes vertical in how we relate to God. Now, contrast Proverbs with commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first five of the Ten Commandments, they deal with how we vertically relate with God, and then it talks about how we relate with one another. So Proverbs kind of starts with how, that's why people like the Proverbs so much, because it's really practical. It gets really into our stuff. It gets really into our life and how we can relate. In fact, you will be a better person. You'll be better to be with if you will read and focus on one proverb a day. You'll be better in your relationships. And so what, what it is, again, is it's time-tested. See, the book of Proverbs, you might think, okay, Solomon wrote most of it, probably 90% of the book of Proverbs, but he didn't just like white one after another. These are statements that were condensed down and put together. And it wasn't until Hezekiah some years later that it was actually compiled into a book telling me this, that these are time 
time-tested life principles. Okay? Time-tested. That means they're not just a, a witty statement. It's not just a fatty statement. It's not just a cool statement. It didn't just have nice poetry and ring to it. But it's literally gone through the seasons of life. It's experienced the autumns of your life when everything around you looks like it's dying. But actually the roots are actually growing deeper. It experiences, it's experienced the winters of your life whenever it's so cold, it's bitter, and you don't want to go out and face the world because it is so hostile on the other side. It experiences the springs of life whenever life begins to burgeon and you start saying, okay, there is hope after all. It has experienced the summers when you're in a drought and you don't know where you're going to get your next seed of truth, you'll find it in the book of Proverbs. That's the richness of this book. And so as you think about it, this is one other statement from uh, Bullock. He said, time and experience have bestowed their blessing upon the proverbial lore. They are soil in which truth is germinated and sustained. I say it like this, it's dynamite in small packages. We're going to read one verse today. We're going to read it twice because we'll be through with it before we blink. And if you blink, you'll miss it. That's the power and the brevity of a proverb. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. Now, it's brief. You blink, you miss it. Let's read it together. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out. Now, notice he said whoever. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where, when you live. It doesn't matter uh, male, female, educated, uneducated. What color you are. Socioeconomic background you are. It doesn't matter. Whoever does this whatever this is, is going to lend himself to self-destruction, self-imploding and exploding. Going to leave shrapnel for other people to pick up the pieces. If we isolate ourselves, so I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the value of why we cannot sing the song of Whitesnake and say that I was born to walk alone. So jot these two reasons why I think we were not born to walk alone and that we need to be connected in enriching relationships, okay? We're moving away from isolation and moving towards connectivity is the new rhythm of 2017, I pray for you. Isolation promotes pride and demise. Connection keeps us humble and prudent. Pride is the opposite of humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. Now notice this, what it says. It says, the one who isolates himself, it is as there is an intentionality behind it. One who isolates himself, one who intentionally, purposely pulls back, one who withdraws, one who builds walls, one who excludes, one who doesn't lean in for ask for help or admit that he's struggling, but one who hides behind a persona, one who pulls back and isn't authentic. It's a very dangerous posture. It will lead to our demise, while humility will lead to a far more prudent life. 
This, this idea of a self-made man or woman is my, my friends, is foreign to the Gospels, is foreign to the Old Testament or the New Testament. This idea of an isolator, I looked up this one word in the Old Testament, it is used 26 times. This one word. Other times, one time in the book of Genesis, it's used, and it used of a river and the tributaries of the Euphrates River and how it will divide and create two different rivers almost where they are segmented from each other, separated by hills and mountains and trees, and they don't hear the bubbling brook on this side, you don't hear the bubbling brook on this side. And what happens whenever we isolate ourselves, we're walking hand in hand with people, and then all of a sudden we start pulling back into secrecy pulling back into privacy, pulling back. And we have the right to do that. And we will do that. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up, positioning ourselves up for our legs to be taken out from under us and for us to fall flat on our face. This was a problem in the 700 BC with Solomon. It's a problem in the first century with Jesus. In the time of Jesus, Jude chapter 1, verse 19. These are they who separate, isolate themselves. Sensual, having not the Spirit. Those who pull back, those who separate, those who isolate, what do they have to listen to? Themselves. What is the voice of themselves? Themselves is listening to the sensuality of their own hearts, the lust and the desires of their own minds. Whatever their mind can come up with, whatever their mind can conjure up, the wisdom of themselves is what they lean on. This is a cultural issue that we're having going on in our culture where we think it's all about us. Now, we'll never say that, but we will guard and stand for our rights. And you know what? You have the right to isolate. But I want to warn you, when you do, you're setting yourself up for destruction. Somebody in, in our congregation sent me a website. I, I couldn't believe it. And so I looked at multiple websites to make sure it wasn't the fake news that's out there. But there's literally a website where you can marry yourself. All right. And it promotes it. You can buy one wedding ring. You can buy shirts that say, I married me. And there are people who have married themselves. And you can read about the ceremonies of when they married themselves. And the really goal behind this is, is that you're going to take care of you. You're going to take care of you and you need to take care of you. And you are the most important person and the universe centers around you. And you should get a trophy all the time and you should get the promotion all the time. And so you know best about you. So if you will marry you, then you can be okay. Wow. And you can make money doing that too. You can, you can put it out there. And I know none of us in this room are probably thinking about that. But when you look at Greek mythology and, and you look at Narcissus, the character in Greek mythology, who on seeing his reflection in the water becomes so enamored with himself that he devotes the rest of his life to look into his own reflection. To look at himself. And again, in our culture where it is so self-absorbed and so self-focused and so self-aggrandizement and self-centered, it creates a wall of isolation. Instead of being others-focused and helping other people, uh, let them see into our lives and speak into our lives and call us up and call us out. That's, that's the more 
biblical model. That's the more healthy model. Isolating ourselves is only setting ourselves up for our own demise. You know, I think we know the processes of growing up, phases of maturity. You're born into this world and you are dependent. You heard Andrew talk about him fake sleeping uh, as his child is crying in the night. Now give him a hard time about that. Uh, you know, and they need mom, they need dad. You know, they need mom and dad when they turn 16 and they want car keys or they need mom and dad for a long time. And then they grow up. Our kids are growing up and moving out and we're loving every bit of that. You know, it took us a hard time the first time, but man, we're loving it now. The payroll is getting shorter and the income is growing up and we're not even changing our income. And so it's just like getting people off payroll is one of the best ways uh, to, to, to grow your income. And so we're, we're finding, that seeing them become independent, which is the second phase, is a really good thing. Uh, now, it doesn't mean they can't come home, but it's now that they're going to be on their own. They're going to make their choices. They're going to make their decisions. They're going to live with the consequences of that. And, and it's fun to see them. In fact, my son today, Caleb, is checking into ranger school. So if you don't have anything to pray for this week, pray for Caleb. He needs all the prayer he can. Uh, so he's, you, know, so you, th- you see your kids growing up and you see them becoming independent. But that's not it. It doesn't end there. Because see, when you grow up and you become independent, eventually, adults in this room, you need to realize you still need people. And you need to become interdependent. You need to wake up one day and say, I need you. And you need me. And we're going to pour into each other. I can't do it alone. Those who isolate themselves, those who pull back, they're setting themselves up for a failure. A study was done and released last year uh, of patients who left the hospital. And they found that patients who left the hospital who had three or more relationships of people in their life to pick them up from the hospital, to take them, give them the first meal, to maybe pick up their meds from the pharmacy, or to take care of them maybe the first 24 or 48 hours. They had three or more people to help take care of them they were, that was the greatest predictor of whether or not they would return to the hospital. We've got to have people, our health, our physical, emotional, spiritual health is dependent on other people being in our life and us not pulling away from them. Number two, isolation breeds ignorance and destruction. Connection enriches, enriches our life with wisdom and success. It says in the scriptures, it says those who isolate themselves breaks out of against all sound judgment. In, in another translation, it says that they rebel, literally rebel, push back on against all sound judgment. See, a fool, this proverb says, you read through the Proverbs, and again, if you take the challenge to read a proverb today, you're going to find he talks about foolish life, foolish life, foolish life. A fool will not listen to wisdom. A fool will be the self-made person who doesn't need other people in their life, speaking into their life, calling them up and out. But listen, I've realized this about, about relationships, being in 26 years in ministry and walking with people as a pastor and walking with people even as a missionary. Even though the last trip I was in Zambia with a, a, a church leader that I had poured a lot of time into and I saw his life just literally moving further and further away from God. And what I did is I went out and I said, dude, you have got to come back. 
name is Kalinga. Kalinga, you've got to come back. You've got to get back on the right track. I need people in my life that will put their arms around me in love, in sincerity, in truth, in grace, and say, Mike, get back on the right course. I don't need people to kick me to the side of the road. I need people to put their arms around me and help me get back on the right track. You need people like that. I need people like that. But here's the thing. In 26 years of ministry, I've seen two responses. Two responses. First response. When somebody confronts me, challenges me, says, Mike, you're on the wrong path, or I do that to them, there's one or two responses. And the first response is, is, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you. That was really stupid of me. That I don't need to do again. Note to self. Learn a lot from that when a brother puts their arm around you or a sister puts their arm around you and says, you need to get on the right track. Second response. This is really sad. Is isolation. I I, I don't need it. I'm not, I'm not going to tell them because they confronted me. They're, they're calling me out. They're judging me. Quit judging me. Not judging you, brother. Not judging you. I'm worried about you. You're on a fast track to a dumpster fire. You're going you're gonna to crash and burn, man. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you if I didn't love you. If I wasn't committed to you. I, listen, I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm loving you. And that's why I'm having a hard conversation with you. But here's what will happen. Those people will begin to inch their way back out of the relationship. Stop texting, stop writing, stop calling, stop communicating. They'll, st- stop, they'll start withholding information. They'll start giving you brief answers instead of the full answer. And here's the value of uh, of the relationship is when I'm in that relationship and I know that person loves me, they can make me better and stronger and they can help me go further and longer and they can help me from careening off into ignorance and destruction but actually give me wisdom and success. I want to I survey through the, the Proverbs because the Proverbs, again, you can't catch read one, one verse after one verse, one proverb after one proverb. So let's do a quick survey. You jot down a whole lot of verses. Here we go. Here's one, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Here's the value of iron against iron. It creates fiction, sparks. It creates a, a heat. It creates a lot of things that you don't like and aren't fun. And it gets red and it gets hot, but here's the beauty of it. You get sharper, I get sharper. Iron sharpening iron, so one man sharpening another. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Who are you walking with? Who are your friends? Who are you listening to? Who are you downloading advice from? Is it just friends that tell you what you want to hear or friends that tell you what you need to hear? Who are the wise guys in your life? Who are the wise gals in your life? Or are you one who isolates? Because if you isolate, you're not going to hear anybody but the voices in your own head. 
So let me just give you just four quick things that I think that, that, that show success in a person's life whenever they have the right people speaking the right words of wisdom into their life. Jot them down. Here they go. Number one, it will reduce the anxiety of your life. You have a lot fewer messes to clean up. You can sleep better at night. There's less anxiety in your life. We talked about that two weeks ago. That's a new rhythm that I tell you, I would have never guessed the response I've received from that message two weeks ago. The number of people, a couple have checked themselves in to a clinic because anxiety and depression has been so overwhelming. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Have somebody that will speak a good word into your life and see that the anxiety can subside. Number two, it reduces failures in your life. You start getting called out. You start having somebody in your life that will speak truth into your life and you'll start seeing a a change. It will reduce the failures in your life. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But many advisors, they succeed. Plans fail because they don't have people speaking into their life. Many advisors, and they succeed. Number three, it increases my wisdom in life. So now I'm going to start having the knowledge, the the insight, to get through the fog in the mist of life. I'm going to start seeing things better because wisdom is found from the lips of the discerning. From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom. Here's another one. Jot it down. Proverbs 15, 31. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Life-giving reproof. We don't like reproof, but sometimes we have to hear it even if we don't like it. Can you take a a, a word given in truth and love that's going to challenge your lifestyle? It's going to challenge your attitude. It's going to challenge the way. Or are you a person who just is just too prideful? You can't go there. I began to think through my own life this past week in preparing this message. I thought, who in my life has stood in the streets of my life when I'm about to make a wrong turn? Or who has been there to give wisdom in my life? Or who's been there to encourage me? And I just made a list of them. So I'm going to put them up on the board. Here they are. Now, they're just first names. Some of them have gone on to be with the Lord. Professors, some of them family members, a lot of them church members, some missionaries on there. But I begin to think, if any of these people at any time picked up the phone, shot me a text, pulled me aside, put their arm around me and said, Mike, uh-uh, be smart. I'm, I'm worried about you. Dude, I would get off the bus immediately because I would know that they're looking out for me. They're giving me reproof, but they're giving me also wisdom. Who in your life? In fact, I want to do this. I want you to take that little sheet of paper in front of you right now, and I want you to start writing down all the people that will give you wisdom in your life. And here's the sad thing is, there's a good number of you who won't write down a single name. Because you've not allowed yourself to have wise people around you. Number four, increase the quality of life. 
When you get wise people speaking wisdom into your life, you will increase the quality of your life. couple of verses, Proverbs 10, verse 17. Whoever heeds instruction is in the path of life. You can get on the right path, you know, the path of life, heed instruction. He who rejects reproof leads others astray. That's the sad part. Leads others astray. See, what happens whenever I don't listen to wisdom, it's not just, well, it's up to me, and if I fail, I fail. No, I bring my children down with me. Because I'm a pastor of a church, I bring the church down with me. If you're a team leader, you bring your team down with you. Because people are looking into your life. If you're a leader in your school, you don't listen to wisdom, you get stupid all of a sudden, guess what? You're going to bring others down with you. There's a, there's a residual effect. There's a rippling effect of our lack of wisdom. Proverbs 19, two verses. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. We need people that will speak value in our life, but we isolate. No, don't isolate, connect. Find the people and invest in them. Do all you can to be with them and glean from them as much wisdom as you can and allow yourself to be vulnerable and open with with them so that your lives can be intermingled and in, 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 in a healthy relationship with one another. I'll tell you a study just to put science together with Scripture here. In Alameda County in California, 7,000 people, 7,000 people over a nine-year period were studied. And they studied the quality of their life. How was their life in so many different capacities? These are two bullet points of what they came to observe. People with weak relational connections were three times more likely to die than those who had strong relationships with others. Do you have relationships that are deep, good connections? Number two, people who had bad health habits. This is kind of weird. Smoking and eating and wrong kind of food. But they had good relationships, strong relationship ties lived significantly longer than those who had great health habits. Not not my words, but they isolated their lives. John Ortberg said it well. It's far better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli all alone. It's the first time and the last time you'll hear that from me. Who's in your life? that you can be real and raw with and they will give you truth. They'll speak life and wisdom to you. And the sad thing is, so many people are islands. I want you to hear another family and their story. Our small group on a weekly basis, it's a reminder of like, to look outside of us in our home and um, to consider the interest of others. 
looking for opportunities to serve people, uh, pray for our friends and our group. It really gives you an opportunity to build genuine relationships with people um, on a weekly basis and even sometimes on a daily basis once you get to know them. And it, for me, it, it really encourages me just to see how other people live their life, other believers, um, whether they're younger than me, older than me. I'm just, um, it really gives you a different picture of like, hey man, I can really maybe work on that. You really live life with folks. It's not just about seeing where one person's at and comparing yourself uh, to that, but it's also an opportunity for you to really kind of dive in and say, okay, this is where I'm at. Help me in my journey. Help me uh, to seek God more. Help me to have a perspective that honors the Lord. Um, so I think that's really where you see major growth in your life is when you jump into living life with other believers um, and really live that truly and authentically. My friend's mom found out that she has three months heads up that she's losing her job. My relationship with my dad is not good and he wants me to leave the Christian faith. My sister just got out of jail. I ask you to pray for her and my parents to have custody of the kids and pray for me that I don't get sucked into the culture as well. My wife's salvation in my marriage. The oldest daughter is in a, is in a relationship that is guiding her away from her family, her morals, and her faith. You know, one of the things that's happened since we've started doing this is we've been able to see inside your hearts because most of these come in without names, blank. And we have prayed and literally we've wept over the pain, the hurt that some of y'all are going through. And so thank you for, for trusting us. Thank you for believing that when we say we're going to pray for them, we're going to pray for your request. But here's the value of community. If this is true of you and you and you and you, it's true. There's things in your life. There's hurts, there's pains. If you don't have a, a, a family, a, a communitas group, if you don't have connections and just coming in this room is not good enough, if you don't have that, you're going it alone. We'll take you back to White Snake again. We're not going to play the song. We'll all start dancing. But when you listen to the words of the song, the poetry, the pain, the emptiness of the song, listen to it. I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Hang on the promises in songs of yesterday. And I made up my mind, I ain't wasting no more time. But here I go again. But here I go again. Though I keep searching for answers, I never seem to find what I'm looking for. Oh, God, you even hear the prayer. Oh, Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on because I know what it means. Listen to how lonely this is. To walk along the lonely street of dreams. Now, I sweat and work out to that song. 
But there's a person who wrote that one day, who wrote it from an empty, hurting soul, who find themselves on a road again and again and again. And they're living the same rhythm and they can't get out of that rhythm. And how sad and horrible it is to then think that I was born to walk alone. You're not born to walk alone. And I want to challenge you first of all, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with anybody else on the planet will not matter, will pale in comparison. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would pray that as you sit there where you're at right now, you would just say your own prayer to God and you would just say, Dear Lord, I give myself to you. Would you be so real in my life? And would you save me? Would you make me whole? Or would you make me complete? You put it in your own words. And then tell someone. Don't isolate yourself. Tell someone. Tell me. Tell one of our pastors. Don't go it alone.